two on this. We'll give it a try. It seems to be working now. So good evening. This is Sunday. Well, it was Sunday on February 19th and on the East Coast. It's now officially Monday because we've gone so long getting this thing going tonight. But what a great night it's been and what a great day it's been. I'm over in Charlotte, North Carolina at Morningstar Ministries over here. It's fantastic. We've got a about four days over here of just being with some of the strong faith leaders in the nation, and it's just really exciting, a lot of the uh, the energy and just the passion for Christ, and we're going to talk a bit about that and a few other things tonight. Make sure we get going here before we get going. Make sure that you are getting a good night's sleep, and we know the best way to do that is with MyPillow 2.0, and MyPillow 2.0 is honestly a true recreation of the my pillow experience. Mike Lindell has reinvented this pillow. You know where to find it. It's at mypillow.com forward slash bards. But I'll tell you what, let's let Mike tell us a little bit about my pillow 2.0. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. 
When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a My Pillow or not, you need to get the brand new My Pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. MyPillow 2.0. What that translates to is you now have your ideal pillow for the end of the world. As we prepare for anything to happen these days, you don't want to be caught short in your bunker without the most comfortable pillow on the market. So... Whether it's your house or your bunker, make sure and stock up on my pillow 2.0s. By the way, I did. I've told you, man. I try to use them to shoot down balloons. They don't work too well, but they do cause you to get a great night's sleep, and that's pretty awesome. Promo code, by the way, Bards B A R D S. That's mypillow.com forward slash Bards promo code Bards. So, Patriots, I I came out here as I kind of shared with you the other day. I was putting up a bit of a fit on not flying, and I did fly out here. An interesting experience, and God's been kind of working the whole way. I ended up having a stayover in Phoenix, which was unexpected, and um, that was it. Was a good stay. I stayed one night there because the connecting flight was all messed up, which is no surprise in today's modern age of advanced flight travel. And then I just arrived in here earlier today, and then we've just been uh, involved in just getting getting to know people. I'm a guest here at Pastor Brad Cummings, and uh, we just had a great evening of just talking about the state of the church and the, the this Asbury revival and kind of the position of the nation in this whole time of what this is going to look like as we go forward. I think a lot of people are very concerned, obviously, about what's the direction of our nation and what's the direction of many things. And I, I'm just going to just share with you tonight just some of my trip and my conversations with Father and some really intimate conversations I've had with Jesus as we've kind of moved through this and just kind of see where this goes. So this is kind of just going to be like Scott open mic talking about his last couple days. I think what's really profound is for me, as I look at things, is how easy it would be for us to end this whole thing. And this is the part that just keeps pushing on my heart. And when I say how easy it would be to end this, the, the, the craziness that we're dealing with, this tyranny, is truly ended when we turn to Father God. What has happened at Asbury was a spark. And I don't, a lot of people have looked at that to be a revival. And I've prayed a lot on this. And pretty much what's been put on my heart is that this is not the, it is not the revival. It's the beginning of prairie fires. And we're going to be having, some of those prairie fires are going to come through from on the ground revivals that are continuing. Some of those prairie fires are going to be part of Bart's Fest. But it's the idea that we're just, we need to flood the nation with this experience of, having, being witness and experience to the living God. We are in a time when the idea of the living God is just not talked about and isn't lived in our world. We talk about God as a 
outside entity. We we hear too much about we're not worthy, and and I just don't see things that way. I I really we are in a period of time when there is such an importance for why we are here. And it truly is a time when every one of us is here for a reason, for just such a time as this. And we say that very easily, and we say that even every night on the show, at the end. But there's a real truth to that. This is our time right now to go far beyond anything we've ever imagined. And the doors and and resources of heaven are open for us. The biggest thing is, is where's our heart? And at the center of that, we, we have to get past any of our hangups of anger and vengeance, and we have to truly focus in on that loving heart of Christ. This media, this world that we're in is designed to seed agitation, anxiety, fear, uneasiness, uncertainty, And I think that's the part that's so amazing because that really takes us back to even the garden is when we, when Adam basically joined Eve in the violation of eating from the apple on the tree of knowledge. It's like all of a sudden everything got turned on its head and we've been in a war since. And we're in an active hot war. This time, this war has taken on a very different form, but it doesn't take any less courage It takes more courage than we've ever imagined. And it takes time for us to start really deciding how we want to live. When I say that, are the material things of this world important? Or is the commitment to walking with Christ the most important thing you have? Jesus is right there with us. And we're going to gain greater access to Christ as we ourselves continue to seek a forgiving heart and a loving heart. And that's hard in this time. But there's some things that it would put on me to challenge me in prayer that I'm, I'm taking well. And I've shared a little bit with you, but it's been coming in more and more. And it's really this. When we look at the injection and the division that that's placed upon us, we fought a very hard fight to keep people from taking it. But now as we go forward, our pivot has to be to pray into healing and restoring that relationship they have with Christ. There's nothing more important there. As I'm flying out today, a woman was sitting before me in the seat ahead of me. And I will tell you, even last week, if I'd seen somebody like the way she was dressed, and I'll get to that in a minute, I'd be railing on it on the show. I was very deeply touched by Christ today as I watched this woman. And it's there's so much sorrow and empathy for her because she's so afraid of being who God created her to be. So hear me out on this. This is a woman that was in at the seat ahead of me, like I said. It's in the plane. She has a sweatshirt on and a coat on on top of that with the hood pulled up, a mask fully on her face, and wearing gloves. And I've, been, I've done enough railing on that. You know basically where I normally go. And you know I'm, I'm start, I really start turning it up when I, I see that. And I, 
and I looked at this and I was looking at this person from behind and I was also watching the stewardess and her reactions to her because I don't really know what was going on, but even the stewardess found it to be weird. I mean, very uneasy because she was even, you're trying to check on her to see if she was okay. And what's put on my heart is she's afraid of the world so much that she can't realize the beauty that she was created in the image of God. And I'm going to tell you honestly, that really struck me. And as I continue to pray on it, it just it's like you were looking at a person surrounded by a cloud of demons that are just literally tormenting her and whispering in her, and she doesn't have an intimate relationship with Father. And she's instead succumbed to this to the father of lies, to believe that she's unworthy, to believe that she that the world is a dangerous place to be. That one, when I, when Christ showed me through His eyes and His heart on that, it's it's a very sad moment, and it it on sad on one hand, empathetic on another, but at the same time, realizing that the calling that we have right now is to free these people from the demonic hold that is is upon them, and that is a mission and a task that I can get behind in a big way, and I think we all can. And this is a time when we need to start preparing ourselves for a time that's coming. And this time that's coming is people are starting to awaken, but they're afraid of the truth. There's one thing that I've reflected on a lot today, and words matter, obviously. And I don't have an answer to what I'm going to tell you right now, but... Words are life and death. And we have an amazing time right now when we're realizing the power, beginning to realize the power which God gave us in, in what we speak and how we live. So I, I'm, I'm being transparent with you. I put a lot of the way I do these shows to Father, Father God and asking him, you know, because I'm... <laughs> If there's somebody that's going to call somebody out, it's going to be me. And I'm, I don't have a problem with that on one hand because there is a brutality of calling out evil that I will take on. But what really has struck me is that God loves everybody. And I know that we know this, but when you settle and you look at a person like this and you realize just how much God loves that person and how much God wants that person to know he loves them, And I prayed for her, but there was no way. I didn't have the opportunity to engage with her. And I don't think I was supposed to. I think that that was supposed to be a benchmark of me to look at things a little differently and to remember that moment, to start applying that into the bigger world. The most powerful place that we have in God's world is love in our heart. And that is not typically a manly thing to say. It is not a, a cool thing to say, and yet it is a mighty warrior thing to say within heaven. And that love that we can pour out through healing and the compassion and empathy we can give to somebody 
But it's also understanding that with that, there is a, there are lines and trips that we cannot cross and that we have to fight for to save other people. When we start to relens our world and realize that what the father of lies has done is sown in here a division between us using this vax, which is with all the various lies that go with that. The lies of the transmission, the the whole idea that these people are almost like a diseased another race, and we've talked about that here, and there is some medical evidence to suggest that. But in fairness, and I'm going to give fairness even to people in Bars Nation that early on were proclaiming the same thing, that with as we walk with Christ, we are fearless. And in this stage of the fight, when we have to, we've done all we can to keep people from taking it, now we have to do all we can to build the bridges to heal the nation. When I was on my trip for six weeks last fall, as you will recall, I was, a, I was given the opportunity to meet with the vice president of Navajo Nation. His name is Myron. And on the stayover last night, and Navajo Nation's in Arizona, and on my stayover in Phoenix last night, out of the blue, Myron texted me. And just having some reflections on a sermon he was preparing and, and just reflecting on the Founder's Bible that I had delivered to him as a gift from Father. And as I prayed on this and I wrote him back, the thing that struck me is that those we are two people that didn't know each other. They came together under the body of Christ. We sat in his office for five hours. And Myron and his wife and I talked for five hours about Jesus and about the trip that I was on and about Navajo Nation and about the legacy of, of division that sits between our two worlds. Rifts that are cut in blood and intentionally done so to make it almost impossible for us to overcome. And as we talked about this, we came to an agreement that we would start to move forward to try to heal that. It's two people. But what does, the, what does Scripture tell us where two or more are gathered? And as we ended that meeting, he asked me to go up to Circle Rock, which is their sacred site on the Navajo Nation. And in front of Circle Rock, at the foot of Circle Rock, we took a picture. But before that, we prayed together. And we prayed to heal the blood rift between First Nations and Last Nations. For some people, that would seem impossible. For those of us that walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we know, it only takes two. And so begins a process. And so receiving that text from him last night was a reminder that sometimes seeds take time to, to take root. But when they do, and they get set in, they set in deep in the soil, Father's moving in big ways. And he is moving in big ways. So the events that have, for me, my events in the last few days, haven't been related to news. They've been related to a deeper reflection on my role, on my place, on my walk with Jesus. There is a real accounting in our life that we are all accounted for. We all are, are going to be held accountable to everything. 
But part of our time here, and I've talked about this before, is this process of deep repentance where we literally do an inventory of our lives and we go back through and we repent from as far back as we can remember going forward. And as other things surface in that process, we have to continue to repent because what we're doing is releasing and those burdens and those sins, that impurity to allow us to come closer to him. And I think what's missed so often is how much heaven wants us to succeed. There's a cloud of witnesses that watch us, that are cheering for us, that understand that this is an amazing age to live in. This is an age that we're preparing for, whether we see it in our lifetime, we're in the preparations for the final battle. And Satan is pouring out as much as he can into this world with his demonic forces. And God is raising up his powerful army. And he's not doing it through the normal conventions of church and temple. He's doing it through his people that hear him through your heart as we walk with him and walk boldly with him. And the enemy's shoveling out everything it can. It's shoveling out fear of the end of the world. It's shoveling out fear of nuclear war. It's shoveling out fear of bio-eco-terrorism or destruction like up in East Palestine. And every time we dig into these things, we find the same thing. It's riddled with lies. You remember a few weeks ago we had Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces, that was on the show, a.k.a. Doc. And he texted me yesterday and said that he had gone up to East Palestine to check it out. And I've been working with Dr. Merritt. And Dr. Merritt, I posted the piece in our our Bard's uh, family room, but Dr. Merritt did a piece was a summation of a conversation she and I had in looking at what's going on in East Palestine. And at the end of the day, that's, it's not the ecological disaster they're saying it is. That's not taking away anything from people that are suffering loss. But they've overplayed this heavily, once again for the same purpose, to fan the flames of fear and to build the anxiety, to ensure that there's division once again in our nation. Every chance they get, they want to feed the division in the And in doing that with hatred, fear, anxieties, we stop having the heart of a loving heart and a a forgiving heart that brings us closer to Father God. And the problem is we're doing it to ourselves. So Asbury tonight announced that they're they're only going to allow this revival to go another week and they're limiting the people in attendance to 17 to 25 years old. They've been getting flooded with people from all over the world. But those people there have been, are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in a most unsuspecting place. And as they do that, everything about our world transforms in terms of priority and what we love and what we do. I find myself on these days as I travel in particular, and having some time to reflect and just having conversations and listening to Jesus. I'm finding myself realizing just how much of a kabuki theater we're living in. I've used that term, but to really realize that we're literally engaging with these people that are intentionally writing a script and playing scripts to drive us away from Father God. 
And it's always that razor's edge balance because keeping informed of what they do is important. Cutting through their narratives is essential, but never losing our eyes and our focus on Jesus. But as I sit here tonight with an amazing assembly of people, I also look at what God has built here in Bard's Nation. And it's when you look at it from where I'm sitting right now with people who have been in involved with, with faith and ministry and things for years, and I look at what has been what has grown here in four years, it's jaw-dropping to see the power of what God has done to raise up people that want to find him. Every one of us on this channel, one way or another, has come here for a reason that God pulls us here. And it's an important thing to grasp onto. We have done something in a digital space that people only theorized about. And I've been talking about it here and, and, and just about how special what God has allowed us to have and what he's provided for us here. A space where we have built true fellowship with people with screen names and avatars that then build a level of trust between one another that turn into real breathing friendships on the, in the real world. A place where every night People come, they greet each other, they see each other, they share stories, they ask for prayer, they pray together, they share scripture. All of this happens here in our, in our community. And as we're living that, we're bringing to life that true humbleness and humility and the heart of Jesus into this world. We work through the frustrations. We look at the the enemy and we're vicious on the enemy. And I'd say the only pivot that you're going to hear from me more going forward is how we're going to retool this fight so that we become the warriors of healing, the warriors of casting out demons, the warriors literally of bringing people to Christ. Because in that mission, which is itself a vicious and can be often even a deadly mission, we have to accomplish that mission successfully and do it without restraint. We're in such a time right now that the enemy is trying to pull as many people as he can into the vortex of hell with him. You can call that a harvest. We can just call it the tactics of the enemy. But when we witness people that have really been damaged by this whole COVID con, they're walking in a misery and a pain which we have within our grip to heal. We have within our grip the ability to overcome. And it's something we have to take a lot of consideration with because part of us being here is to be engaged in a way that we are bringing people closer to Father while separating them from the enemy that wants to keep them enslaved. And that's probably the words that struck me the most, is that so much of what we're looking here is people that are held captive and prisoner by the enemy's forces, and they themselves don't even see it. The worst part about it is that there's been so much misguided teaching in the, in, over time in faith 
that when you hear things like, we are not worthy, all the enemy has to do is jump on that and echo that same thing. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And pretty soon that becomes the voice of God. And it's for those that have not met God and had an intimate and personal relationship with him, having that personal and intimate relationship with Christ, that will become the only thing they know. I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. The enemy knows this. The enemy knows scripture better than we do by far. And they use it. And so we're in a place right now where we can be that true refresh of their lives. We can be that opportunity to free them. Seeing that woman today, just how paralyzed she was in this world. Unable to function normally. I mean, literally, a sweatshirt and a coat pulled over her head like in a, like, you know, like a hoodie. A mask and gloves. She's been utterly trapped and incarcerated by an enemy that has slipped in and she's not does not ever had the defenses to protect against something like that. So do I find it to be part of the cultural retardation? Yeah. But do I have a heart of, of true empathy and want to see her freed? Absolutely. And it's there in that reminder as I've been, that example was put before me is to realize again that God wants us to be bringing everybody home, not just a select few, not just those that didn't take the vax. In fact, one of the questions was put to me, which was a big one in prayer is, now the vax has been done, can you as humanity overcome it and unify in the body of Christ? That is is an incredible consideration. And it takes two to dance. But at the same time, we have the, we've been given sight, we've been given discernment, and we've been given a place and an opportunity to bring that to life. I don't know how this executes out, just being honest. I don't know what this looks like when it when we play this out because so much of our time is spent in the fight in trying to prevent things from happening. The pivot now is the healing part of this. And what I know is that's a change in heart that has to happen. It's a change of heart that has to show that compassion, has to seek that guidance from Christ, and at the same time, it has to confront the vicious and still be able to balance flipping tables. So I don't want this to sound in any way like there isn't a war going on. But there are so many victims right now, so many, that as we are moving through this, it's a constant place of us trying to walk a very difficult path. And this is a difficult path. It's not intended to be an easy path. And it's not going to get easier. I think that's the other thing. I truly believe that things are building up to a very critical moment. And I think that where we're headed is that we're facing a transparency that's happening around us for intentional reasons. There is a group of people that's growing stronger in God. We're part of that. 
We're getting deeper in our relationship with him. We're getting our feet anchored in him. And when we're there, I think we can all agree it's a beautiful place to sit. I can sit deep in breath with Father and just want to stay there all day long. And that's the place where it's comfortable, it's safe. And we could explore that probably for more years than we can count. It would never get tired. It would never tire any of it. But that doesn't do anything for the greater kingdom other than us. We have to continue to push through this. And so to imagine us in this world, we always have God there with us. But in my opinion, we're being pushed and pulled to engage this into the real world in a broader way and to not worry about us because we've been built up. We have been healed. And we will continue to grow stronger in him. There will be times to pull back and to recoup, but... This fight right now takes a deep leaning in to try to bring as many people as we can out of this darkness. I refer to it as a coma. We refer to it as brain dead. We refer to it so many things. But when you look at it from the aspect of being enslaved by the enemy, being imprisoned by the enemy, being held captive by the enemy, man, I'm telling you, there's so much humanity that looks very different in that lens. And I would encourage you to take a a walk in prayer with Jesus along those lines. Ask him to show you what it is in this world, what it looks like as we see the world from the, his eyes of seeing so many that are held captive and ask him where he wants you to be. I know that what he has put on my heart over and over is that we have to mature the heart of the forgiving and loving heart, heart because as we mature and build the strength in that, we are given greater access to the powers of healing. This is the difference between a God that lives in Scripture versus a God that lives as a living God in our lives. And I'm, I'm in the pursuit of the living God. I'm in the pursuit of the supernatural God. I'm in the pursuit of the Christ that says we can do greater things than he. And that's where I'm running for. Because I've seen it, I've experienced it, And I continue to experience it through Father day in and day out. I've shared with you this story about this sciatica. And I had this experience last weekend when I was making my trip plans to drive out and I literally couldn't walk. And then after I made my plane tickets, suddenly all the pain went away. But the sciatica came back. And as I worked through this, I realized that So much of that was a reminder, as God gave this to me, a a piece to understand what he had taken away and what he had given back. But then the rest of the week, as it, it moved in and out, it was the pushing of me to work through that pain, to overcome, and to realize that this walk we're in is not going to get any easier. That we're going to have to carry loads sometimes that seem like they're overburdened. We're going to want to feel like we want to quit. We're going to want to stop, and we can't. We're going to want to find that place to pull off the trail and go, okay, I've gone far enough, but we can't. We're climbing a mountain. We're trying to get to the top of that mountain, and as we get there, we're trying to affect as many people as we can, build our strength, and use that 
as the example for others to follow and to free themselves. But we are in a process of our example, how we walk, breathe, live with Christ becomes that process of freeing others as they see us, find encouragement in us. This is what I know about that young lady if I'd had time with her, because I know this would have happened. Again, I wasn't given that opportunity. But I know that I could have spoken about Jesus in a passionate way from my heart. And in the in those moments, I know that Christ would have shown himself through me in such a bold way that she would have totally seen the truth of who she was. That, that truth would have been that she was a beautiful person, regardless of what cosmetically she looked like is irrelevant. That Christ would have shown her that she was beautiful. She was created beautifully in the image of Father. And it would have restored the injured heart and the fear-laden heart and shown her a way forward to have the confidence to remove the gloves, to have the confidence to remove the coat, to have the confidence to and take off the mask and to rejoin the living. We're, we're asking, we joke sometimes about where are the zombies? They're here because they've accepted this world through just so many distortions and not realize that they become enslaved as literally a walking dead. And so I asked myself a lot, it's like, what would you choose? Do you want to fight a fight or do you want to heal the many? I'm going to take heal anytime. I'll still fight when needed. That's not even an issue. But I really think that as we are moving forward here, the power and glory of what God has given us, that power and glory of all that's around us, is only going to get greater, more beautiful, more amazing as we're putting our eyes towards now healing those that have been wounded, those that have been injured, those that have been enslaved and freeing them. And that's going to require tools. That's going to require skill sets. That means we have to learn again and pursue it, what it is to be healers in the kingdom. We have to learn again and, and pursue it to be people that can cast out demons. We have to have the faith when the enemy tries to steal somebody that we can literally raise the dead in prayer. We have to have that confidence and listen to the words that Christ gave us because it's not something to scoff at lightly, to do greater works than he. I don't know what that looks like, but I know I want a taste of it. I know I want to be part of it. I know that that's the way forward because in that glorious space, When that happens, we truly are in an, such an amazing moment that we're living truly as God wants us to live. So in this time and in these days, take a deep look at where Father wants you. Take a deep look at where you think he needs you and where he calls you to reach out to heal and to set others free because that's ultimately one of the greatest tasks we can possibly have. Let's pray. Father God, we are blessed this evening to be here, humbled with what sits before us and truly humbled in this experience and this walk that you've given us.
where we can see where so much can be done and accomplished and we can see how much we can truly be part of freeing those that have been enslaved by the enemy. God, in this time, we just pray that you'll put on our heart the direction and the means of what we need to do to continue to heal those that are trapped and burdened by the tasks of the enemy to, that tries to enslave them and hold them and hold them down. That we want to see the many return to the kingdom, not the few. And that as we do this, that we will continue to find within us the more powerful and beautiful space of a loving, forgiving heart, a healing, a freeing, and an experience of living and working through Jesus with outcomes that we could never before have imagined. So, Father, in this time, we just ask that you'll guide us and protect us, lead us in these times, and we do these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, for me, it's I'm 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 going to be honest. This has been an interesting conversation tonight because I'm trying to articulate a lot of very impactive experience and interaction I had with Christ, and it's not easy. And I don't even know how this is coming out tonight. I'm just letting my heart talk here. But I know what I saw, and I know what he showed. And I know that that person that normally I'd be first to scoff off he reminded me of the power of words that I could choose to condemn and judge or I could choose to heal. And when I saw what he showed me that was beyond that, the idea of seeing this person freed is something that the idea of it, the vision of it, it's literally like freeing a captive that's been held in a prison and it's one of our own. Heaven needs us to be that strong. Heaven needs us to be those type of warriors. Heaven needs us to raise up that mighty army, to go into the world and be bold enough to engage, to pray, to heal, and to set free. For me, I accept that mission. And in the words we would say, Father God, send me. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. Never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow evening for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Chasing mountains I can't climb Holding out for heroes in the night I find myself here in the dark We learn to fight and learn who we are But I am raised up to face the stars Sometimes it takes all you got to believe. 